Hi, this is Jeff Innocent, welcoming you back to another episode of Smart Casual. Before we proceed, I'd like to thank those of you who have been listening to the episode so far and have contacted us with their kind words and compliments. If you have enjoyed Smart Casual, subscribe and please review on whatever podcast platform you use to listen to us and be sure to share with friends. In today's episode, I talk to fellow comedian Finn Taylor. If you're unfamiliar with Finn's comedy, look him up online. He's been described by critics as provocative and zeitgeisty, something we talk about and have a bit of fun with throughout a conversation. We also reminisce about our time spent together at the Cape Town Comedy Festival, which took place one week before the COVID-19 pandemic and subsequent lockdown. Finn and I also discuss how he goes about tackling big subjects and our mutual dislike of what I refer to as domestic comedy. You know, where comedians talk about the funny things their kids have said. Towards the end, we touch on the changing significance of the Edinburgh Festival for the new generation of stand-up comedians who increasingly are building their following in a variety of new ways online. So here it is, Smart Casual with me, Jeff Innocent, and my special guest, Finn Taylor. Our guest today is uh, a comedian who, um, unfortunately, I don't work with as often as I would like. Um, uh, He's described as phenomenal. And here's a lovely quote. Taylor is on top of his game and the zeitgeist. So that's why he's here. That was from Shortall. So you don't get many good ones from Shortall, do you? Four years ago. (laughs) You might not be part of the zeitgeist Not anymore. I was then. (laughs) Welcome, uh, welcome Finn Taylor. Can I apologise, first of all, for being late? Not that that's relevant to our guest, but I just thought how interesting that is to run a chat show where the guest walks on first... (laughs) (laughs) I wouldn't expect anything less, actually, from a Jeff Innocent podcast. Also, you know, I've done a few podcasts recently as guest, and I realised even though... This studio is technologically very functional. There's no, there's nothing nice. There's no, all the ones I go to, there's cakes, there's drinks. Yeah. You've, you've done some yeah. as well. These is, this is, well, everything's chipboard, yeah. isn't it? Oh, really? But down yeah, here, everything's chipboard. All you've got is some M&S water, however. Yeah. M&S water, wow, that's great. <laughs> so you, all I've offered is water. I feel really bad now. This is the most austere uh, set of circumstances I've, I've ever brought anyone into so forgive me for that Finn. Not, at all. And, uh, not at all i hope it becomes an intellectual uh, <laughs> thing rather than um, about cake uh, also i've got another quote from you here gleefully provocative and packed with hard laughs, <laughs> that's the guardian apparently <laughs> yeah packed with hard, hard laughs, laughs. <laughs> so because the guardian uh, have got to describe what stand-up comedy is laughs. to its readers I mean, yeah i like it when, when you're described <laughs> when they describe you as are very funny. And you think, well, yeah, that's yeah. the bottom I'm line, com- isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Surely the word comedian's doing that. Yeah. <laughs> also, I've noticed recently with, with new acts, they can't wait to say how they smashed it. Now, first of all, I'm against this term smashing. It seems to be so popular because I thought we were trying to get away from this 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 masculine or masculinity and aggressiveness in stand-up comedy. But yeah. I just think, 
well, it doesn't matter. Yeah, we're all supposed to smash it. That's the bottom line. It's how you smashed it and with what did yeah. you smash it. But then what, what are the alternatives? Because I agree in that you, when you well, think about comics like Josie Long, you wouldn't say she fucking killed no, it, no, would you? No, but it's got... But Destro- straight away, you see what I mean? It's got it. that feel to it, isn't it? Yeah. Fucking smashed it, mate. Smashed it. But I think it's because the, um, Who the, chem- the chemicals we get off the back of a gig, a good gig, it's very similar to what I imagine a soldier gets in that kind of rush, isn't it? You know, it's a it's a battle it's a battlefield. <laughs> you know, I hope there's not any ex-military listening to this thing. Oh yeah, you think that's yeah, like yeah, the invasion yeah. of Iraq? Do you do the comedy they, Hey, we both get called brave, Jeff. <laughs> Who am I to dismiss? I, I well, I what I'm saying here, Finn, is this is a term that I'm just seems to have only come about recently. I don't remember smashing it when I was. What new. did you say back in the day? Storm it, Storm kill it. it. Take the roof off. I mean, have a great gig. They're all quite masculine, aren't they? Taking the roof know, off. I don't know. DIY. Oh, well, well, there are women roofers. There are <laughs> yeah. women roofers now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I, I think, uh, I think having a good one. Yeah. I mean, also, what are you boasting about? Smashing it. That's what we're supposed to do, yeah. isn't it? So there's no boasting there about having a good. It gig. should just say it. It was nice. I enjoyed it. Yeah, but it's how it's what you did. Well, it isn't felt it? like work. It's how you got there. I yeah. think it's where you reached that smashing it situation. Now, I want to talk to you about our first sort of bonding experience, if you don't mind me calling it that, yeah. um, was South Africa, yeah. in a sense, because... Yeah. Um, now, when was that, Finn? We that was days before COVID It was. It the was UK. almost the last possible yeah. days of performing for the lockdowns, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. So that was March, some point yeah. in March. Early March. Uh, a year and nearly two years ago now. Mm-hmm. And the funny thing about that is... There's quite a lot of funny things about that, yeah. that trip. First of all... The funny thing is that I turned up, saw you, and it didn't register that you were Finn Taylor, this bloke I'd worked with before. I just thought you were some local, like an Afrikaans bloke. <laughs> yeah. Right? I uh, remember that. Because of the way you're tall. You're tall, aren't you? They're very yeah. tall, aren't they, those yeah. people? Although you look sort of friendlier than, than an Afrikaans bloke. But I, I think what it was is I might have just got off the plane. I wasn't functioning properly. I just looked around, and I didn't think I'd, I was going to see anybody I knew. So straight away... <laughs> That happened, didn't it? Yeah. And you I went, no, that. I think you went, no, actually, Jeff. And I went, oh, yeah, shit, it's you, isn't it? Sorry. Uh, so that happened. We went work that much many times before. I wasn't. A couple I of times I, up the creek. I didn't wasn't feel it? insulted. I felt like, okay. well, it's Jeff and it is. Um, but um, can, we talk, can we talk about that? Because this was the Cape Town Comedy Festival. Yeah. Which, and it had two arenas, am I right? Going, running at the same time. Yeah, so two rooms in a So theater. there was one room which was, called, <laughs> this is the bit I'm getting to, and I yeah. think you know. There yeah. was one room that was called something like Late and Dangerous, or Dangerous and Live. Danger Zone. Danger Zone. We were, danger. In, we were in the Danger Zone. Well, I was in the Danger Zone, and you... I, start, I started in the Danger Zone, <laughs> Jeff. <laughs> what did, happened? Yeah, I didn't think you were dangerous <laughs> no, enough. What happened was, I started in the Danger Zone, but Fern Brady was in what I call the safe space. I don't know what that room was actually called. The okay. other one, right? Family friendly. Bring okay. your bring your bring, bring your kids, whatever. Sure. And Fern was too dangerous. She does a lot of stuff about sort of you know spunk on the face and that, doesn't she? I'm not saying a lot. I don't see her. She does an hour on that, but I'm sure she had something. She, she's about also Scot. She's Scottish. Uh, and so yeah, you, they're you just act, dangerous anyway, just aren't they? Da- naturally dangerous people. Yeah. So the thought what I got a call after three nights in the danger zone. <laughs> I got a call from the promoter saying, listen, Fern is too dangerous for the safe family friendly okay. gig. Um, well, can we move you to the safe one? 
And I was like, oh, why? I don't want to. Did you also think Fern is too dangerous? for the danger zone yeah. and you're not dangerous enough wasn't that suggesting that wasn't that the subject she'd asked to move that's all okay. I know but they looked at you they chose you they chose me well I think they well they chose me over you obviously because um, well they didn't know I was going to be British Comedian of the Year then no, did they? no. <laughs> <laughs> well I much preferred the danger gigs they were much better than yeah. the um, I didn't the do ones. the other ones were they did they have a family friendly feel to them Oh, it just had, a, you know, it was that thing where people are very, you oh, know, okay. just touchy. Yeah, sure. Um, so you got moved from the danger zone. Yeah. How many, had you only done one gig at the danger no, zone? No, it was like halfway through. I'd done, we'd done like four danger zones. Oh, okay. And then they were like, go and do another, go and do the other, the last four in wherever, whatever this one was. Okay. Um, and, and you weren't happy about that, were you? I remember you thinking... Because I then... St- I'm I'd, dangerous. I'd been, I'm dangerous. It wasn't that. that I've been having great dangerous. gigs. Dangerous. <laughs> I've been having great gigs. And then I was having yeah. average gigs. And yeah, I was of like, right, th- they booked me in the right room. Okay. And just because they hadn't put Fern on the right bill, yeah. I'm now having it's to down, it. It's her. It's Scottish people causing it's trouble Scottish again, isn't it? fucking it up, yeah. Yeah, they should have their own circuit and stay there, <laughs> shouldn't they? Yeah. Hey. <laughs> but, but, but overall... I mean, I had a very difficult experience there, actually. I was very pleased to be there. I'd never been to South Africa before, and there's lots of political history there, obviously, Mm. so I was very keen to go and visit certain iconic places. Although I did think that generally the group of people who were didn't have any sense of the history or political (laughs) significance of the place at all, and I don't know if that's an age thing or just a bourgeois thing, but certainly I was... I, you know, during the 70s, I was very much part of the anti-apartheid movement. In, in fact, it was all down to me that it, <laughs> it ended. But um, but so I had a personal sense of connection with the place. And I was I didn't feel comfortable with a group of people that wanted to go to the latest coffee shop or wine bar or cocktail right. bar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Certainly until they'd got that, you know, until they'd uh, uh, sort of uh, paid homage, if you like, or, or, or I don't know. What they were, right, sort of like a pilgrimage. Yeah. Um, so I was a bit put out by that, the general culture of our group. Also, I, I got this injury that I'm walking around with now uh, that is better than it was then. And I'd only just discovered that I had this thing wrong with my foot, which meant I had to use a walking stick, struggling with the suitcases, I was getting on planes. It was the first time I'd travelled and realised that this actually is a bit of a disability. Right. So I was I was carrying that around psychologically. Yeah. And so that was very difficult. And the fact that we were playing away from home, so we had to adjust our acts, of course, even though they spoke English. Once you start adjusting your act, you lose your, your vibe, your momentum, you lose your persona somewhat. You lose so a bit of your authority because you're no longer... You're going to them. They're not yes. coming to you. Yes. Because yes. you're going, oh, is this the right, am I saying this the right way? Yes. Rather than you knowing it's the right way. Sure, sure. So I lost, I mean, I did okay, mm. but I don't know why I was closing. I shouldn't have been closing. I don't know why. You were coming on in that African print. Yeah, so yeah, it's all yeah. about the shirt yeah, when was closing. Yeah. Um, you can't follow that shirt. You can't. But yeah, that's what I heard. <laughs> so I had a quite a difficult time, even though it was fantastic to be there. It was a privilege. It was going to places I hadn't been before. Comedically, I found it a bit of a struggle. Um, and I've, socially, I found it a little bit of a struggle, although we did... Have a bit of a laugh, didn't we? Me, you, and Spencer had a laugh. That's what I thought it was. Yeah. We were a break. We were a splinter group. We were group. a bit of terror because it was a bit. It was just a lot of politics around the people who didn't get on, different people who didn't get on. Okay. I remember that. And also, I spent a lot of it in my hotel room refreshing the coronavirus blog because I was meant to be going on honeymoon. 
about a few days after we got back. Oh, and I was wow. thinking, this isn't, this isn't, this isn't oh, you had all that going on. Can you just yeah, talk yeah, yeah. about that? You had so, this, so you were there, but tell me what this is. Well, this so thing. we got married in the October 2019. Okay. We meant to go on honeymoon just after Christmas, but my mother-in-law passed away. So we cancelled it, postponed it. Meant to go to Vietnam, big thing. Three, Vietnam. Vietnam. It's gonna be like a three week. My wife's taking. Oh, okay. Big trip. Tra- we're gonna you know, try and travel before we had had a kid. Kind of that was the vibe. I uh, spent three weeks in you Vietnam. You middle class people trying to get it all worked out before. Yeah, 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 See, that's yeah, where yeah. I've been going wrong. <laughs> With this sort of random pla- show. We have a plan. Yeah, I know. Yeah. What yeah. is that? What is that? I don't know. Raised <laughs> to have a plan. Um. Anyway, that was the that well. Well, it's foolish having plans, as they say, because mm-hmm. uh, um, because the best laid plans. Yeah. You know. Make fools sure. or whatever. So uh, we rearranged for middle of March or something, and uh, we, yeah, we were in South Africa, and then I was like, right, well, three, I'm home for two days, and then we go off on honeymoon, but that's fine. And then we were flying, we were due to fly back, and the pilot got a cough, and you remember, we, oh were, we were at yeah, the airport, yeah, and they, we were about right. to board, and they said, one of the, one of the crew's been taken ill, and we don't know, this could be the new... No one knew anything at that point. That's they were real, yeah. So they yeah. had to isolate the crew, and then they had to fly another crew out. So we were delayed by 24 hours, oh, which yeah, meant I only yeah. had 24 hours between getting home and then oh, supposedly going to boy. Vietnam, even though that was in the grip. They were starting to shut. So I was like, I don't know what's going on. And then um, my wife was like... Because there wasn't much COVID in the UK. Or oh, maybe there was, but no one was doing anything about mm-hmm. it. She was like, I don't care. I'm going on holiday. My mum's died. I need a holiday. And I'm like, oh, fuck, I'm, I'm in South Africa. Yeah. Trying to go to Vietnam. Via Britain. And I'm, my, head's just, my head's just going. Um, anyway, in the end, <laughs> we got, we went to the airport. I got home. We went to the airport and we decided we weren't going to Vietnam at the airport because they probably wouldn't let us in. So we just went over to the Virgin Atlantic desk and went, where's hot and doesn't have coronavirus? Mm-hmm. And we went to um, Caribbean. Oh, so you did, we did actually go away. get home and then we go... We had 10 days before the Caribbean sent us back because they were shutting down. So we had a sort of holiday while the world was ending. So how long did you have before you got home from South Africa to okay. go? Wow. Yeah. That is rock and roll, it man. It is quite rock and roll. Isn't it? I love yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, But, um, yeah, that, I mean, that was the last holiday we had because then we since come back, lockdowns, and then we had a kid and so... Yeah, which was planned. Did the, the was the child planned? Child was planned. <laughs> yeah, again, <laughs> middle class. Pla- oh, way you imagine are, planning man. children. <laughs> imagine it. <laughs> oh, that's incredible. So, um, can I ask you? Because I don't remember you. I mean, we come from different generations in terms of starting yeah. comedy. Yeah, um, and I don't remember doing many gigs with you as you were coming up. When when who were your contemporaries? Who were you doing open spots with? What, well, what I, was, sort of period I started we in about? Bristol. Uh, in 2009, eight or nine. Mm-hmm. So I, I was doing gigs, my kind of class, as it were, Phil Wang, Ivo mm-hmm. Graham, mm-hmm. Sean McLaughlin, Byrne, okay. uh, Alfie Brown. These were sort of the people I started with. Who you lived, you were living in Bristol at that time? or Yeah, I, I started university and then I knew I wanted to do stand-up at uni. And, um, what did you do at uni? History. Oh, okay. And so by the third year, I was I was doing getting paid gigs, and I and his third year history course is just a library card. That's all you're paying for, really. So I, I'd have one hour, two hours contact a week, and then I'd just go and do. Of gigs course, yeah, because we talked about the 17th century while we were in South Africa. Do you remember? Yeah, among many things. Key books. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. I remember that. And also, you explained to me what a long dog was. 
Uh, I always bore people with yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Have, have, have you done a special episode on that? Yet? Any opportunity, <laughs> done a bonus I'll explain episode the difference between a long dog and a lurcher to people. Is this post genres we're talking about, or did you? I remember because Mark Olver was sort of my mentor for the first mm-hmm. couple of years. I remember a big, a big him sort of trying to explain to me that it was a big thing when jonglers they went. But when did they go bust? Twenty ten or something? Yeah, it was a long, slow death though. But yeah. I think the that sounds about right. So there was still. I remember it was ten it was years. There was still. I think about fifteen. I think two thousand fifteen probably nearer because I think they they most of it went by two thousand ten. But there was still. Well, it came back in bits, yeah. yeah. A bit, but then I also remember it was just after the McIntyre boom, if you call uh, it that. Yeah. And so there was this, I remember in green rooms, the older acts were going, everyone's touring. Everyone, Why is everyone touring? Yeah, there's so many fuckers touring. Surely these shows won't sell. And it's funny now because now everyone is touring, but everyone sells because everyone's got their own podcast and you know, TV doesn't mm-hmm. mean the same thing anymore. So it's just funny how everyone was worried about the amount of people touring. Mm-hmm. And people doing these tours off the back of one seven minute. Well, they were yeah yeah. Lots of people were cheering off the back of the Michael yeah. McIntyre. What was that program called? The Comedy uh, Roadshow. Comedy Roadshow. Yeah. So, what were the clubs you were doing then down there? There were that's in Bristol. The, yeah, the Comedy, Comedy Box. Box. Com- I was. So I was. That they gave me my first. I was regular MC at the Comedy Box, and that's when I got my first paid gigs. And then I left uni and, and sort of I was doing that enough that I go well. I'll just do this because that sort mm-hmm. of adds up to my rent. Oh well. Wow. So I was skint for the first couple of years. And then um, I got over, let me sort of deputise me. I deputised for him doing warm-up for D-Lo No, no, no Deal, that okay. which um, I really didn't enjoy. I'm sure. Uh, but it, <laughs> it paid me some money while I got, mm-hmm. you know, learned how to do stand-up. And then um, moved to London until 2013. And when did you start going to Edinburgh to do our shows? At what point? 2014, but I'd say the first one that, anyone cared about this first one that was a good hour was 2016 and what was that show called you've got some good titles whitey mcwhiteface that yeah that's a called. great great you've got some good titles what are your other titles you've got that one i didn't write them down can there you was, so white mcwhiteface and there was lefty tighty righty lucy <laughs> and then there was when harassi met sally see you know if it's yeah. about titles man you yeah. would have won the period yeah you, or yeah if it was, it was about titles unfortunately it's about hour-long shows <laughs> <laughs> and you know that that uh that sort of bridge or that journey, that difference between being a club act and uh, uh, an hour-long Edinburgh mm-hmm. was that something you found easy easy to adjust to or de- develop? Well, it was the other way around for me, and I got in with the clubs having had a couple of successful hours because I probably wasn't wasn't good enough to do clubs before I started doing mm-hmm. that. And then um, it's funny you talk about it being a bridge. I'm not sure. I think there's a problem with Edinburgh in that it encourages because there is like five there's sort of five reviewers that really matter mm-hmm. in inverted commas as to like if they like the show you sort of have a good month and so it's five people and they all sort of like the same thing and mm-hmm. so it this the drive to please them kind of pushes you in this direction of writing a certain type of show oh, a cliche type of hour mm-hmm. um and especially when you're writing it in preview season which is very unnatural summer World Cup's on probably mm-hmm. it's 10 people in a room. You know, how do you get a real sense of something work? You know, nothing you really write there is you're going to do when you're doing 20 at the store, mm-hmm. are you? You know, do you know sure. what I mean? So, I, although I had some success doing it that way, I've sort of recently, last couple of years, like I'd, I've just come off a tour and that tour was exclusively written in clubs. 
rather than writing an hour to take mm-hmm. to Edinburgh. Because I think that, that that's the best way to write a, an hour that's funny all the way through. Is different is getting an hour of material that all of it will work in the club. Sure. On a Friday. I agree. And uh, I think that's the way I'm going to do it from now on. Because I, I think I, so. I yeah. Loved it. I I know why put yourself through previous season mm-hmm. for, you know, I, it's so it's such an unnatural environment to mm-hmm. do comedy in. Do you think Edinburgh's still going to be there once COVID's over, or or do you think now with all these other festivals that are on, people don't have to go to Edinburgh for twenty eight days unless they want to, of course. You mean as an act? Yeah, I think it's going to become much less uh, attractive, or or much less. What's the word? It won't be as compulsory. Mm-hmm. I think quite quickly, um, because of the explosion in sort of online uh, content. As a way of, um, of course, which is something tickets. that I experienced yeah. in lockdown with one of my, well, two of my videos. Yeah, they gave me as, as, you know, I reached as many people as I would have done. Yeah, via Edinburgh, it cost me nothing. Yeah, oh, it's not something I could have planned. It just happened, and so yeah, I think yeah, that uh, the, the landscape's changed as how we promote ourselves, how we reach bigger audiences. Yeah. And what we can do if we want to do an hour show. But there's there also a sort of there's a ceiling to how well a good Edinburgh can actually can actually get you. You know, if mm-hmm. the goal is to sell tickets on tour, you know, most people in this country they vaguely know what the Edinburgh Festival is, mm-hmm. but they're not certainly sure. they're not adept at it. They don't sure. they don't go up every year. They don't they might know there's that some kind of comedy thing going on, but it's not the centre of their world in the way that it has been mm-hmm. for British comics for generations. Sure. I don't know if it will be anymore. I mean, it's interesting. I was talking to someone about this the other day. If it, ha- if it does happen this year, which I think it will, but COVID's still around, which it will be, what happens if you if you pe- put money down in the room, you get COVID day three, mm-hmm. you isolate in for 14 days, yeah, yeah. 14 shows? Sure, sure. It's very That's risky. costing you a lot of money. Mm-hmm. You know, if it's costing a lot of money to go up there and watch shows, you're saying the first show you get pinged or something? You, you yeah, know. sure. Is it realistic? Sure. I don't know. Sure. But, I mean, even that aside... It's not Edinburgh's n- not been something that I've been attracted to, even though I've been uh, uh, three times. Mm. But I've never really enjoyed being there. It's uh, so I'm very happy to see that there are lots of opportunities to do an hour in other festivals. Yeah, there may be half a dozen festivals that are worth going to for one night, two nights. Yeah, to do an hour show, and I think so. There is a place to go to do an hour, or where you don't have to go to Edinburgh. And Commit yourself. Absolutely. Camden. People have fun yeah, in Camden. I know. Yeah. That's great. You done hours in Camden? No, I haven't, but I love that room. Yeah. Are yeah. we talking about that tiny Well, there's the one that's over Camden got Head, yeah. Okay. Of, oh, Camden Head as well. But it, I did start at Camden, like everybody started at Camden Head, didn't right. they? Yeah. God, when I think, I'll tell you how long it was when I started. We used to be able to smoke spliffs. While you're on stage? Well, not while I was in the audience. We, right. we used to open the window. Yeah. <laughs> how 20th century does that sound? And uh, sit there watching acts smoking weed. Things wow. have changed, haven't they? Yeah. See, that was the Febreze days, wasn't it? Hey, <laughs> <laughs> acts don't have to spend all their money on Febreze anymore, do they? You no. know, Febreze, it's, uh, it's because of smoking, you know. You yeah. Know, it's, uh, what's good about Febreze, I don't know if you know this, Finn, is that it doesn't just kill off the smell, it kills off the very bacteria that creates the smell in the first place. You did an advert now. Well, I was sponsored by that. Right. <laughs> <laughs> So, um, edgy, what's this both edgy and woke in the same joke? Provocative and antagonistic. 
That's what I like. And I'd like to think I'm a little bit like that yeah. from time to yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's your agenda then when you're, you know, <laughs> I want to make you people set out to be provocative. And no, I um, just get, you get called that. Yeah, well, you just have your ideas that you like and you go with. I, and I, and you, then they call you provocative. You don't. I, the thing is, writing about stand-up is pretty farcical, really, isn't it? Because there's evidence in the room of how well it's going mm-hmm. and what's happening. And I just I just think these words like provo- provocative. If I was a teacher, mm-hmm. I'd be a provocative teacher. You know, if I was a politician, yeah, you but I mean, I've I'm watched a comi- you. I watched some of you before I left. And can I just say, we've, we've, you know, we've both got a very similar routine about Eastern European food. Yeah, I was going to say. Um, it's different, but it's similar as well, isn't it? We, we come same. in from different angles. Yeah, all the punchlines are different, but ultimately it's but the, the same co- yeah. idea. <laughs> yeah, the it's Eastern the European food is rubbish. It's rubbish, and that's why <laughs> we voted leave. Yeah. But I, I don't set out... You know, I, I'm not saying that you set out to be provocative and antagonistic when you're in your writing in the in that process when you're thinking of your ideas. Although there is always the opportunity for us to be mischievous, isn't there? Yeah, and um, you know, it's the Stuart space. Lee loves a bit of mischievous. It's the space for it, isn't it? It's, yeah, That's what stand and up you, is, and it and the glee. I think I saw the word here, glee, uh, and I get glee out of slightly being slightly provocative. Yeah, I don't set out to be. It's just the subject matter and my. I taken it, and I I think that's probably how you are as well. Exactly, it? it's just that you know I think um, this is this is I've always thought that the kind of stuff we talk about is what a stand up should talk about. Yeah, me too. And that's what stand up is is mm-hmm. it's a place, a forum for stuff to be everything to be ridiculed, no matter mm-hmm. the kind of weight it has, which isn't the same with other art forms. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so when I've you know I, this word always follows me around. Journalists is the first word they reach for when they put my name in anything. It's because they're trying to describe it to I don't know an audience that isn't doesn't think mm-hmm. that's what stand up it should be. Mm-hmm. Um, but all the comics I grew up watching and every all I like about stand up is that it's it's not normal life. You mm-hmm. sort of get away with saying stuff you'd never say in an office or. Yeah, anything. But although I imagine, like me, you're the sort of person that would be saying that in office if you. That's why I'm doing stand up. Exactly, yeah. and that's probably why lots of people do stand up. Yeah, because they 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 are like that personality. Yeah, 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 yeah. But you are right, and of course we are seeing lots of stand up that doesn't take on, that isn't seeking to be provocative or question, is just there to entertain and make people laugh. And but I, I sort of think for for me that's I I don't think it's um. Mutually exclusive from making them laugh. Mm-hmm. That, that's no. what I think is fun. You know, the way to make them laugh the most mm-hmm. is to talk about. You know, if laughter is a release of tension, short the tenser the subject area, mm-hmm. the funnier it is. But I, I think what you have is relevance. You, the, the word zeitgeist mm. is a bit corny, and yeah, right, that's four years ago. But it's about. I think you have relevance with your subject matter, don't you? Yeah, I try. I mean, I I I don't have a very interesting um, life, particularly. So I sort of talk about what's going on, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, and also I don't know. There's just something about nowadays people hold they get very they get very protective over certain issues, mm-hmm. which just only makes people like you and me want to poke them even of harder, doesn't it? Yes, yeah. It's yeah. It's, uh, it's just a red rag to a bull. Sure. Um, I mean, I actually. I always thought maybe you did as well when I came into this. That's what everyone. That's everyone, what I thought everyone yeah. would do. Yeah. And and. I probably had a sort of romantic notion that I would be a sort of early 80s alternative 
stand-up comedian and that's, you know, and just have references like the pre-Raphaelites or, yeah. you know, be political. Be, but but that didn't work out. Uh, I just had a almost a stereotype, romantic notion of what stand-ups do. Yeah. And I was probably looking at old-fashioned stand-ups. Now, I'll tell you who I, and I don't mean this disrespectfully, who I used as a, um, who, who's that guy? Oh, God, it's terrible. I don't want to be remembering things on a podcast. He's white, very middle class, probably in his 50s. He does the thing about the bird call. The the he's got a routine about birds oh, yeah, um, yeah. doing the 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 dawn chorus. Nick uh, Revel. Yeah, Nick. Now Nick Revel to me is how I thought I was going to be. Right. Yeah. And I'm not anything like that at all. No. And I don't know, you know. <laughs> but 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 when I came into it, of course, it wasn't like the alternative comedy days. Those those days had more or less gone. When did be, you start? The nineties. Uh, yeah, sort of mid nineties, right. mid. Ninety six, I think, ninety seven, and um, so genres was up and running, and it was it had become a mainstream medium again. Yeah. Um, so I so I struggled, even though I was getting work and working, I was wasn't being the comedian I wanted to be, and I think finally found a way of being the comedian I wanted to be. But I think it's because I it wasn't me. I don't know. You know that thing about it being you, but you resist it. You yeah. resist. You resist all those things that are telling you, no, this isn't the comedian you're supposed to be. You're supposed to be like this, but you resist all those things because you want to be like this, you know, what you wanted to be. So for years I ran with, probably like a character, really. I was, yeah. I was confined to to what that, that so person was. So what, what you do about. now isn't a character? No, no, I'm Ama afraid. Amazing that, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's really him. I know, yeah, it is, yeah. <laughs> but get into that, you know, stripping off those yeah, layers. yeah. Some people get to that earlier than, than than others, you know. So I came into it as an older person, already up and running, if you like, with a backstory yeah. and a, and character and personality. But actually, it took me quite a few years to to shed that to go. No, actually, no, that isn't you. You just think that's funny, and you just think that persona is funny. Yeah, I mean, I still feel like I haven't worked it out. I'm st I mean, I don't know if you ever do feel like you've worked it out. Do you yeah. feel like you've worked? I mean, no. Well, I think yeah, but I mean, I think it's I, I think fairly recently I did. Yeah. I thought, well, you're still not the comedian you want to be, but this isn't a bad place. Yeah. But that took me 20 years. Yeah. To, I mean, to, I, I, I feel like since be since becoming a dad and getting married, I feel much more comfortable. I've always felt older than who I my age. Mm -hmm. and so How old are you, in fact? 31. Okay. Oh, that's really young. young. Yeah, he's young. And I started when I was 18. Yeah, you, you, you do seem I seem older, older as a person. And yeah. it, I've been told that since I was 20, and I don't really know what it is or why. But now I just sort of You're feel... You're sensible, Finn. You're sensible. Uh, yeah, I don't know what it <laughs> yeah, is. Yeah, you are quite sensible, I think, as well. You've <laughs> yeah. got everything. But that planning, that's all part well, of Well, yeah, I just... I guess yeah. I'm always, I've always known what I wanted to do and how to do it. Well, not how to do it, but how I should go about doing it. Stand up. How, I, I, how, how different is your comedy now to when it started? Have you maintained a, a similar? No, it's style, totally. I tried. I tried everything back in the day. I tried to. I was started in the West Country, so everyone was a storyteller. So I thought you had to do stories about funny things that happen on buses. You know that uh, kind of yeah, shit. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's what you think you have. It's what you to think do, you have to do it? because That's you're you're it. just yeah. doing impressions of comedians until yeah. you work out. Sure. Also, as eighteen, you you don't know who you are. I mean, do you even know who you are at thirty? I don't yeah, know. No. Well, well who I, knows? I mean, I, I certainly yeah. I, well, I think you 
you, you might know who you are, but who you are keeps changing yeah, as well. Yeah, that's isn't it. it. So and to get your act to to, to change yeah. with that is, is a difficult thing. So I, I, maybe maybe it's uh, your act and your who you are are, are constantly you're trying to align them and they're always well, missing uh, each other. That was the almost at my the moment. It, at the moment, it feels like they're quite close. Who yeah, I that's am good. That's good. That's a good balance. You want to get it as close as possible. Like a spirit level of yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I I I think for years I kept thinking. I'm not getting my intellect to meet the comedy. I, I yeah. know I can do better than this, and I don't know what it is, and I don't know exactly what changed, but it, it just came when it did, after about 20 years. I, I hate telling people that. You know this thing about finding your voice? Yeah. And you start telling people, well, I probably found my voice after 20... They think it's going to take 20 yeah. years, but it doesn't, does it? You different people, different voices, how you see yourself. I do think it, it is a matter of years, though. It's yeah. not... I, I think mean, so. Yeah, you can still be successful and have a career, yeah. and be on the telly yeah. and have podcasts and and all of that. But because uh, I do wonder sometimes about comedians that find fame and success mm. quite early on, who then stop developing as comedians, yeah, because what they, they're doing is becoming TV personalities. Well, yeah, and there must be you know hundreds of comedians in that position. You think I wonder how good they would have been yeah. if they hadn't become famous and they're still on the circuit, still doing Edinburgh every but, but year. But they become business entities as well. Like someone like Jack Whitehall who was selling out Wembley yeah. when he was 27. Yeah. And it's like if he if he'd had another 10 20 years as you say mm. working clubs, what would he be like? Yeah. Is sure. and he's now basically stopping I think he's stopping stand up for the time being because he goes up, you know. Sure. Haven't got anything. I feel like I've said everything. Um, oh really? <laughs> he said, but <laughs> like for who he was, who he is at the okay, moment, he wants, yeah. to, he wants to be a different person when he comes okay. back to it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's, it's difficult to find the truth about yourself uh, or yeah. to even accept it. It's not just recognizing. Yeah, it. it's accepting it's about it. Accepting it because you know you might uh, you might want to be a different kind of comedian, and you fight against it, and you can fight against yeah. it for years, and until you allow it. But so when I, I remember the first sort of time I started actually doing stuff that now gets called provocative mm -hmm. it made total sense because that was exactly who i was at school who i was as a teenager it was my sense of humor i'd always say the thing that everyone would be like oh, yeah, we can't you know i was always sh shooting back at the teachers mm -hmm. that was who i was at school that was my i was always you know i was watching frankie boyle and jimmy Carr. those are the people i loved and and then i went on this kind of whole merry-go-round you start comedy and you see all the other you think oh, i've got to do this i've got to do that i've got to do yeah, just crowd work I've got to be an yeah, mc yeah. do warm-up to old ladies because it makes money sure. and you you go further and further and you come full circle and you go oh right of course i'm that of course i was that's who i am sure. like you say you push it away sure and then um one day you just wake up and you're like it makes sense yeah so i think with me it was possibly subject matter changing my subject matter uh, being more personal yeah Stuff that I would never have thought of talking about, actually, because I had a, a quite a narrow, a narrow range of subject matter that fitted in with the comic persona that I was running with yeah. at the time. So everything I wrote. Or so what were you about, talking about? Well, well, crime, drugs. Yeah. I mean, I'm still talking about those. Yeah, things. I was going to say. <laughs> no, but what I mean is, it's wider. I mean, it's, <laughs> wi with you it's last more week, stuff about my personal life, about yeah. you know, wives. I think I brought race and sexuality. I think I'd like to think of myself as a sort of basic sociological type of comedian so yeah. it's, so i'm running with with class yeah race gender sexuality uh through through my personal experience and anecdotes or autobiographically but before that it was just what would this bloke talk about so it wasn't what do i want to talk about it's what does this bloke that i've come up with yeah what, what you can't talk about family that's a, you can't talk about this you can't and then i think i shifted and it it just all came tumbling out then mm. 
Because that's what people find so compelling about you is that they you come out and they think you are some bloke. Mm-hmm. And then all this erudite sure. sort of sociological commentary comes out and it's disarming mm-hmm. and you're so aware of it and the jokes are funny that mm-hmm. I think it's... It's very hard to. I've when I um, a couple of weeks ago, I had to go after you at Vauxhall straight away without a break because they got the timings wrong, and I was doubling. Okay. And I found that very hard because you're one of the one of the few people that I would few straight stand-ups oh, okay. that I really don't want to follow because you're just sort of complete in the persona, the material, okay. in you the, subverting the expectations, mm-hmm. and and it's uh, me following that. You know, the, I'm oh, coming out first that first 10 seconds when i come out it's very different to when you come out mm-hmm. and i feel like i can't match that ex- you know okay. do you know what i mean yeah like, yeah sure sure well thanks for the compliment um i am of course british comedian you are british comedian. <laughs> yeah. where do you want to bring it up <laughs> um yeah that must be fun. No, so you probably couldn't do your eastern european food routine well that you? put me off yeah that's I a forgot. great routine though. i forgot I really like that, that is a well it's, it all works back from the w- i just find the word borscht funny I went yeah. to find the, the idea of someone craving a borscht. Yeah, and so yeah. it was working back from that. Yeah, I, I mean, similarly, I was working back from the fact that cold beetroot <laughs> soup yeah. is someone's national dish. Yeah, And it's funny because when you speak to Lithuanian people, where I live, there's a lot of people from Lithuania. I think yeah. it might be the largest Lithuanian community yeah. in England is in the borough of Newham, or it certainly was. Uh, and the gym I went to used to have Lithuanian writing on the on the wall. Oh, really? Signs. Have you ever been to Lithuania? No, I haven't. I've gigged there. Oh, wow. I've done a gig in Vilnius, yeah. Oh, right. Gorgeous oh. club. Okay. English wasn't quite good enough. Yeah, sure. Um, but I, I, when I speak to them about this soup thing, they're quite proud of it. They don't see what I think is funny about cold well, soup <laughs> being the national dish. When I was there, I, I had, they had a Did loaf you have of bread. Uh, no, not <laughs> beetroot. They had a loaf of bread hollowed out <laughs> oh, with yeah. some hot water in it and then the <laughs> lid of the bread put on no. top. And that's, that's bread soup. No, no. You think, come <laughs> on. What a, fuck, what, <laughs> what a fucking bread gulag has this soup. been made up in? Bread, bread soup. soup. It was 2015 or yeah, something. Yeah, that'd be a nice our gulag lunch menu. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Set menu. I love yeah. that. Oh, so doing gigs in... Uh, Europe, yeah, necessarily Eastern Europe, but generally Europe. People always like to encourage you to do them and make them seem attractive. Think they make them seem attractive, but they all speak English. But you know, even after doing one, they might speak English, but yeah. that's, they don't know that. what you're talking about. <laughs> they don't know anything that you're talking about. And I've done all of them: Switzerland, Norway, Swiss, all yeah. of those places. Uh, I some of them are better than others. Better than I, yeah. yeah. I'd say I really like doing Amsterdam, Tumla. Have you done, you done yeah, Tumla? Very early on. I'd, I'd need to do it again. I yeah, think. it's a great club. It's run by comics and the Dutch audiences, the kind of comedy you and I do, mm-hmm. it's what they want. And and what's quite satisfying is you see comics doing who are much more lighter and less provocative. Mm-hmm. And a Dutch audience... Who are these less provocative just, losers, mate? Just losers. <laughs> yeah. Well, Anyway, these wet fuckers, these, yeah. du- these Dutch people just stare down. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. It's quite satisfying. Yeah, they, they were just staring at Yeah, they're just yeah. staring going, what are you talking about? Yeah. Taps. What are you talking about taps for? Yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, so I love Toomla. I like gigging in Holland. Uh, Ireland I love gigging in. Ireland's fun. Yeah. I mean, obviously, I speak English. That's sure. what goes without saying. But um, there are some gigs in Latvia that are great. And Estonia. Estonia is like a Scandinavian country, and it's young, and it's all mm-hmm. techy and... They can speak English well enough to... I mean, you'd go down a storm there. Okay. But I think you go yeah any further east, nah. 
You had a baby in lockdown then, did you? Yeah, we had, well, um, just just as we were coming out, sort of last month before. Yeah. So you had plenty of time to create the baby, didn't you? Yeah, well, that was it, really. It was the second lockdown happened. We went, all oh, right, well, let's just get on with it then. Ah. We have nothing else to do. <laughs> now, you talk about that on stage, which is very funny indeed. Yeah. The, the making of the baby. Yeah. Uh, that, uh, is that pretty close to reality? I think it, it probably was, wasn't it? Your, your routine. Well, no, there's, I mean, the routine. Uh, Have I'll you embellished it that much? Is it yeah, I mean, there is a bit where I'm hanging upside down. Okay. Being but having a rubber but fist generally, though, you, it, is, it was like that. And the daughter's, your not, planning. the daughter's See, not that's your planning. <laughs> the daughter's not called We Peggy. don't do that. We just do a bit of Charlie and then have sex. And if a baby comes, it comes. But Well, happy-go-lucky, yeah, is yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, um... Was it really? Is it really that close that they're looking at the? It does work right there. Well, it's because my, my wife's also because she's type one diabetic, so it's um, pregnancy. You want to you want to catch it early, <laughs> being pregnant. So and it was also we had to have like a, a couple of um, chats with doctors before we started officially trying because they say that they want your sugars to be as stable as possible, otherwise it can have an impact on the kid. So it, it was it was more planned than I think most middle class. People, oh right, but oh, to upper middle class. Then. Well, no, hang on, <laughs> medical middle <laughs> class. It's about property rights. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> tithes. Um, yeah, but it was, uh, it was, the routine comes from the point of truth where it's, it's sex being a chore, which was the first time in my life that it, that had been. I wasn't grateful, and I was going, I was getting into bed hoping <laughs> we wouldn't have sex that night. Uh, so and uh, <laughs> and then I just, and then because I was, the short show I've just done, I was I was watching a lot of kind of old school comedy jokes about the wife and they were all joking about how their wife wouldn't have sex with them. And I thought it'd be funny to subvert that and be like, my wife fucking won't yeah, stop fucking yeah. me. There's something funny about it, that. It's, it's great to be able to be a comedian that's got a wife and talk about uh, your wife because that, that yeah. went for a while, didn't it? That was unfashionable. Yeah, but, n- but now, I mean, I, I just love, there's so many... We were talking about this the other day. Your um, yeah, because I talk jo- about my wife. Yeah, your joke. <laughs> can you not make an exception? I oh mean, yeah, <laughs> brilliant joke. But th- I mean, they're just such stone cold killers in the club, aren't they? They're just they're so yeah. reliable. Those yeah. jokes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, that that joke. Um, uh, that, yeah, that 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 joke is that's a, I use that as an example when I do the workshop of how a joke gets built and yeah because. You look at that joke. Sorry, I'm talking to Finn about a joke that that that, that none of you know. But um, but basically, uh, if, if you go online and and watch me do the joke about my wife and going to South Africa, it all makes sense. But what it is is the, that joke, in essence, is very much a my wife joke. Yeah. If you really squeeze that down, it it would be something like. Um, Oh, I don't get on with my wife, but I had to go and stay in a an hotel. And I said, can you do this? And I went, no. It's very much, it's, you yeah. can almost really get it down. But I've embellished the whole structure of it with stuff about... Well, it's blind. It's blindsiding the audience because you start yeah. talking about apartheid and yeah, the fact yeah. you've got a black wife. Yeah, and yeah. They, make you, they think you're about to make a social <laughs> <Yeah>. political <laughs> point. <laughs> and then you go, no, I just want, I I just don't want to sleep in the same room as my wife. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, 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 I like that. I like, but, that's, but I think, I think I can get away with talking about my wife because i'm older and i'm an yeah, older bloke yeah and it would fit if i think that's one of the reasons why a lot of younger comics it doesn't young no and I, I i'm jealous that i want it to fit because i yeah. it's my sense of humor. i think it does fit with you that whole thing obviously yeah. is a great way of talking about your wife but um yeah 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 that, yeah it's good you're probably one of the youngest comics to talk about their wife but you don't yeah. make it domestic 
And there, no. is, there is a lot of domestic comedy, you know. Yeah, I, I find mean, that boring. I've never oh, heard it termed oh, as that. That's a very good way of terming it, though. It is domestic yeah, comedy. Yeah, yeah. And there are comedians. That, I mean, I just switch off. I'm, I'm similar to you. I'm very keen on using stand-up comedy for its possibilities yeah. of making comment on the world around us yeah, and yeah. being relevant. So I, 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 I lose interest when I'm watching a comic <laughs> that actually tells you his child's name. That's the first stage, and then how old they are. Who's Just, doing that? No, oh, there are a few. Really? There are a few. They go to talk about their kids. They go, well, I've got two kids, Sue, uh, you know, Sue, she, she's seven, and Peter, <laughs> they're nine. You think, what the fuck? We'll be outside of school Are you going to bring out your photographs? Yeah. <laughs> it, it virtually bringing out the photographs. <laughs> and actually what it is, of course, is um, they don't know they're doing it a bit like when we avoid our real selves. It's a lot of subconscious stuff that you don't realise you're doing. They're ing- trying to. Be, they're ingratiating with the audience. They're ingratiating by being domestic. They're fucking going, pandering. Yeah, is what you they're can't. Doing. You yeah. can't dislike me because these are my kids. What yeah. are you going to say? Whereas yeah, I'd true. love to be um, a sort of disguised heckler in the audience. I don't want to hear about your fucking kids, kids, mate. Yeah. That'd be great to go around the circuit, wouldn't it? Dressed <laughs> up, yeah, aiming for people. But there's a lot of that. I oh, even what, you'd have a big hat and then you go into the green room. I don't know that heckler. Yeah, <laughs> God, sorry about that, mate. But then at the I end, reveal myself. <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of that going on and I yeah. you know I mean of course Bill Cosby had a whole career about talking about about kids uh, look what happened to him yeah there you go see I think it's a slippery I think, slope I think they're always hiding something <laughs> I do think I do have a theory about people who are nice on stage and that's their thing that mm. they're nice yeah. they're charming and then the charming's not a means to an end it's not a means to talk about Prince Andrew or something it's, it's just an end in itself you know what I mean sure Sure. I'm suspicious of those people the same way because why is that the why is that the bit you're working on being nice? That should be who you are off stage and then on stage your act is that you're a bit of a yeah you know yeah what I mean? yeah I do know what you mean and I do agree. Although it feels I think manipulative. Can, I think you can be charming with the audience but not about what you're talking about. Possibly I, I don't know if there's a difference. Yeah, it's more just but that That's kind of thing of like, oh, I'm going to talk about my kids and how the f- don't they yeah. say the funniest things? Yeah, yeah, well, they, that's that. It's like, wh- why is this the thing you're working well, on? Well, well, this, this is I small talk. I've got a thing where where when people get on and talk about, you see this in workshops quite a lot. Someone will come up and they go, "Oh, my mum," she says the funniest things, and they start telling you, and I'd say, "Well, maybe your mum should be on stage. Yeah. She's so funny." Yeah, it's got to be about what your you're saying about what your mum says. It's not about don't and, leave and it's it. Also, I bet it's not even true. It's just that they don't have the confidence to say, "I thought I I uh, said this funny yeah, thing." Yeah. They go, "Oh, imagine sure. my mum. It's yeah. funny if my mum said this." Yeah. Well, I'm too old. To, I mean, I could talk about my mum. <laughs> mum, mum oh, no, my mum is still alive. <laughs> really? Yeah, yeah, I know. Oh, but um, she's she's. It'd difficult. be great she's if you could subvert it. You go, "My mum said the funniest thing the other day." She went, "Who are you?" <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'm your only son. That my mum says the funniest thing the last time I saw her, she said, oh, you can have all my jewellery. <laughs> Finn, I usually, when we have comedians in the smart casual studio, when we, <laughs> um, I, I always, at, at some point, talking to them, try to, not pin them down, but try and get them to talk about their creative process. Right. And, uh, you know, I, I wonder if you have a, a method or, um, you know, you have, do, you, do you just have ideas you're interested in and see what you come up with? Because, I mean, a lot of new comedians think we will have systems and techniques and writing strategies, but yeah. generally I couldn't tell anybody what my, I just think of something, maybe a contradiction or something I'm interested in, and then think of what I think is funny about it. And I, I yeah. don't actually have a technique 
or the tech. I think the techniques start after you've had the idea. There's mm-hmm. no technique for having the idea. Mm-hmm. They just hit you. Mm-hmm. Um, and like you say, it's spotting a contradiction. Like this this bit that I was working up at the store like last weekend when you were there and uh, just clipped and put out. This idea that um, of all... I just noticed it was funny to me. I hadn't heard anyone say how it's funny that this Epstein bloke's house was in the Virgin Islands. Okay. And that's funny it is, of yeah. all the places. And then it's just going, how can I make that into a bit mm-hmm. rather than just a funny... Sure. And then you're sort of playing around with... Um, you're looking at different angles. You're mm-hmm. going, Who, who's the funniest person to react to this? And it's the FBI going, oh, fuck, we should look there first. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the joke. And then mm-hmm. in, in spelling that out. And so the techniques start once you've had the idea. But having the idea, as you say, it's just a lottery, really. You just try and... Driving around, you go into the shops, and suddenly something strikes you. Then you just got to write, write it down as quickly as possible. And and are you, are you a person that goes to new material nights? Yeah. Or do you like yeah. to see how it works in your set as well, you're doing both, it? Both, both. New material nights to really get the dirge out yeah. there, and then uh, I'll always try and do something new in the in the middle of a twenty, because ultimately I, the way I've started writing the last three years is you turn your twenty over over the course of six months or something or. Uh, and then you start, you know, trying put new, always putting a bit of new in and growing that and growing that, and then it fades the stuff that works out. And then over a year and a half, you hope you, that's that's a way of getting an hour that mm-hmm. you can go on tour, and you know that hour is bulletproof mm-hmm. because it works. You've, you've worked in the clubs, um, but I think new material nights are useful because you can just get up and just talk, like just. Yeah. Ad-lib about something you know is funny, but you don't quite know where. Or, or, or even to be uh, be rubbish, which I quite I find quite it's an liberating. Excuse to be rubbish. Yeah, yeah. It's to go. I don't have to. Because what often happens at new material nights is you know some people they bottle it a bit. Don't yeah, they? There's a big yeah. audience think, oh, I'm going to I'm going to go and be good. Yeah. But I really enjoy the opportunity to not care at all about yeah. being good and using it for myself to see if this these initial ideas are funny. But often what I do is I never bring the stuff in. It was almost like a write special shows for new material night. Yeah. And I, I, I don't know why I do that. I've got loads of stuff that's really... I think what happens is, as you know, lots... And I'm going through this because we do get a lot of new comedians listening to this podcast. I I go through the process of um, writing stuff and then doing it and, I, and hardly ever bring it in. You know, I only bring bits and pieces in it. It's almost because a new material night where they haven't paid on a Wednesday, everything's funny. Yeah. But on Friday night when you try sometimes you come away from a new material night thinking, I've got a new ten, I've got a yeah. whole new routine. Yeah. But trying to make that work But it's about uh, doing it in smaller chunks, isn't it? Yeah. It's yeah. about slipping a minute in on a Friday and if that bit gets strong you try sure. and extend it and extend sure. it. Do any particular topics interest you? I mean, do you find yourself when you look back at all the stuff you've written before? I tend to go back to similar things. I I, I see that you're very interested in race. And the politics around race, as I am, yeah, is that is that a reoccurring theme for you? Yeah, I haven't written anything about that for a while, mm-hmm. but um, that's great stuff, by the way. That 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 race stuff that I saw on your is that the website, yeah, about pottering. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's, that's, that's a, a good really routine. Yeah, good I, was pr- routine. I was pleased with that. Uh, the whole point of that show was that I thought it w- I got excited by the kind of impishness of going, you know. Obviously, there are black acts that spend the whole act talking about being black. It's mm-hmm. probably because they've got a wealth of experience. They mm-hmm. feel they have to address it. Wouldn't it be funny if a white comedian was under that pressure, mm-hmm. but in a majority white country? And then I just sort of thought, I wonder if I could do a whole hour on it. And the idea of that kind of scared me and excited me in equal measure. And then, so what year was this? Twenty sixteen. Okay, so this was 
slightly before the the trend that's going on. This well, I think part on. part of the reason that show did well in Edinburgh was that it that was August was the sort of time where a lot of remember there was this sort of three month period where police had just started. Um, sorry, victims of police shootings. Mm. They'd all started filming it, and so obviously it'd be going on forever. But now we were all seeing it. You know, it was going around Facebook and stuff. Sure. I think Black Lives Matter was marching in this country. It's the first sort of time that happened. So suddenly the show that I've been working on sort of as a bit of a Zyka. artistic challenge, fact, yes. yeah, just sort of chimed. Yeah, and cool. uh, that's when I got called uh, on top of the zeitgeist. And, and did you get good reviews for that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was the, that was the sort of breakthrough Edinburgh year. Mm. Um, but interestingly, then touring that show, that, that, that's, that people weren't as didn't find it as funny on tour. It's very much a, a show for an Edinburgh audience. And that's when I first started to notice this friction between, you know, the Edinburgh model and the and the rest of it. Well, can we talk about that for a moment? Because I'm very much somebody that recognised that quite early on. Yeah. And if I have had an agenda, it's... Because I always... There was, Edinburgh hasn't always existed. It hasn't been around as long as stand-up comedy has. No. Stand-up comedy... Let's say stand-up comedy's been around for, for 100 years. Edinburgh hasn't been around for a hundred years, no. so the concept of stand-up comedy and how we, you know, the medium and how we communicate with the audience, Edinburgh's not been around for very long, and there was always a, a sense that it was a certain elitism as well, and that people were thinking, well, you do a certain thing in Edinburgh, you do a certain thing in a club, but I, like you, yeah. I, uh, I recognise that you can bring those two things together in Edinburgh, of course, but I'm my agenda has been to in clubs. Yeah, to go well, you could still be interested in clubs. Well, and, that's and what I try. I try and I take pride in the fact that all the Edinburgh shows, maybe this show has been the best in terms of I could do the whole hour in clubs on a Friday, but the other shows, I'd say at least forty minutes of it I could do in clubs. Yeah, and I think I, that's, and that's how right. I got. That's how I got it good. I went to Edinburgh some years ago with a completely misplaced, misguided idea of, and and thinking that Edinburgh was this place that you go to to do clever, fancy stuff, and I had this show. It was well intended about the environment and my relationship with environmentalism. And and, and, mm. uh, and I remember coming out of one of the shows and there were a group of people outside and one of the women was saying to the others, well, when I saw him at Jongles, he was really funny. <laughs> so it's yeah. that, isn't it? Yeah. See, what we're talking about is trying to bring those two things together. Yeah. Instead of going, well, look at Edinburgh, I go and do all this fancy stuff and that the clubs are going to be funny. It's got to be... Relationship between the two at all times, I think. I don't think. Yeah, no, I I totally agree. And it, it's just um, it's just that it's quite hard to find that way of marketing yourself as an interesting but funny stand-up. Mm -hmm. That's they they seem for some reason in popular opinion they mm -hmm. seem to be contradictory. You're either sure. interesting or you're funny. Sure. We're talking about marketing. Um, so if we're not all going to Edinburgh every year, yeah to get that publicity, to get those reviews. What are the other ways in which comedians now are reaching a wider public? So, for example, I mentioned earlier about the video I had that, that went viral. I remember somebody telling me it had gone viral. Joe Jacobs, I don't know if you know yeah, him. Yeah, Joe, yeah. A great guy. And uh, he said, Jeff, you've gone viral, man. <laughs> and I went, I don't, what, what, what does that mean? Is yeah. that a good thing? <laughs> I wasn't sure if viral well, was a bad can, thing. Can bad. If I'd said something that was a bit dirty. <laughs> And it's obviously something that new and younger comedians are trying to get. Yeah. So it was quite funny that 
I didn't even know what it meant, no. but I'd got it. Quite a lot of things happen to me in comedy yeah. like that. I'm not really in control of it. It just happens. But but what? You're a young comedian, okay? Yeah. Um, what are the mediums? What are the ways in which we're looking now? Instead of you know to bypass Edinburgh, what 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 were you doing with social media? Well, I've only just clips? I've, I'm young, but I've only just accepted that this is what we have to do because I sort of. I had this like 2008 mindset for years where, you know, you do the circuit, mm -hmm. you do Edinburgh, you'd get TV and then you tour. And then I, because I sort of managed to get all those things, I was sort of resisting the reality that, that, that TV and increasingly Edinburgh are sort of meaningless in the, in the kind of wider, mm -hmm. wider uh, culture. And um, there's not one world anymore. That's the thing it's hard to understand. Mm -hmm. that we all live in different worlds and we all watch what we watch. And if you, if you do it regularly enough... People come and watch your, mm -hmm. you do your thing live. You, you've got to just put stuff out there regularly. You can't wait for a, to get a bit of, t you know, a few bits of TV a year. It doesn't, doesn't mean anything. Sure. So, um, I mean, I just filmed, I just filmed the, spe the, the hour I just did. We're going to put it out as a special, completely self-produced. I just think, why wait for anyone to... And how, how do you put that out? What's well, the I think, I think I'm going to put it on YouTube, I think. Just stick it on YouTube and I think say, so. here it is. I think, yeah. yeah. Either on my channel, there are some there are some big channels, you know, like um, studio houses that that might offer to do some kind of ad revenue split. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I think increasingly, you just get it out there. It's becoming like music, where you just think, I'm not going to make any money off the record. Mm -hmm. I'll make my money touring. Just get people, just get it in front of people because it's such a disposable. You know, we're all just scrolling through, clicking through. Sure. We have to we have to sort of accept the reality that people watch stand up in in clips and, and, and as much as we like you know we're craftsmen and we spend mm -hmm. years get honing these bits mm -hmm. into a, you know a gorgeous hour-long thing mm -hmm. you know most people will just start watching it after 20 yeah, years I know. and uh, so uh, we have to meet them we have to go to them in that respect you can't you know although, be although because you like writing jokes as i do you can there it's are very clippable we can take out a minute here or a minute there. that's it and i've just real. i've got a bunch of tv clips that um I'm actually quite satisfied. I was chatting to Alfie Brown the other night. He was telling me about, I've just joined Instagram, right? Just, you know, the last month or something. Cause I was, ho I was hoping it'd be like Bebo and then we'd sort of crash and burn, but no, <laughs> turns out it's a big thing. Um, I'm on the old people's one. It's called grumble. <laughs> <laughs> just made that up. I thought, I hate it when I see comedians do stuff about dating apps. Yeah. I thought, oh, not another <laughs> comedian doing dating apps, but it influenced me to write my own. I'm on an grumble. old people's dating app. It's called grumble. That's funny. Um, but, uh, yeah, so he said that for the algorithm, you've got to do a video that's less than a minute. And I was going through my... And quite a lot of my bits are, quite conveniently, just under a minute. Mm. You know, you feel like you've got an end mm. to them. So I feel like I can um, I can do that quite easily. But you just, you've got to teach yourself to caption these clips. And, I mean, really, management companies should be having a social media department if they're going to stay relevant. I think a lot of them are going to fade in the next 10 yeah, years they yeah, don't adapt yeah, because how, right. if we're yeah. running our own instagram and we're running our own youtube specials yeah, well, and we're doing patreon what, what's the management company uh, going to do sure. and, and i was thinking that about publicity agents remember those yeah yeah yeah. Your press PR, yeah you're get out of town mate you're yeah. just anachronistic now aren't you, you that's know? it the next 10 years are going to be a big sea change mm. and if agents want to stay relevant they're going to have to accept the fact that mm. all those well for stand-up maybe for acting they'll still be that's still kind of a closed shop. But for something as democratic as stand-up, where you do a joke, film it, get luck, get a bit lucky with the whatever algorithm and it goes off, yeah. and you suddenly sell thousands yeah. of tickets. I mean, that's essentially the world we're living in now, and mm -hmm. you don't need a middleman for that. Well, I was just happy that to get the 
fame's the wrong word, but I was just happy that it was reaching so many people, yeah. like my one, and and locally as well, because of course it goes onto WhatsApp groups, it goes yeah. onto people's phones, yeah. it's in people's hands, it's in their hands. It's not it's not like you you watch TV. And I thought, God, in in twenty five years of doing stand up comedy. I probably haven't reached as many people as this one clip has. Yeah. And it was all during lockdown when we weren't performing. Yeah. I even had people knocking on my door. Amazing. Neighbours going, oh, I've got, we've got this that wanted to have selfies. But I couldn't have planned that. And I know there are comedians that spend more time trying to plan a thing like that than, than their comedy. Yeah. And I do understand that's the modern way. But that see, that's the thing. I've always spent time on my comedy. Because in Edinburgh, that's what will sell. People who've worked hardest on their shows mm-hmm. sell well. But rest of the year, that's not the case now. Mm. Rest of the year, you sell people who sell the most to the people who worked hardest on on promoting themselves. Mm. And so I just have had to accept recently that I've got to spend as much time mm-hmm. on writing the new hours on you know getting it out there. Have you got anyone in in comedy or in anything that you you would say might be an influence on you? Because I I would definitely I can definitely you know even if it's it, it's unconsciously or, or sort of not not directly, but certainly I'm a big fan of Alexis Sell. And and Johnny Spate, the creator of the uh, uh, Garnet, definitely say that I'm influenced by them. Mm. Any people that from the past that you go, yeah, I'd like to be like that or that person. I'm well, Norm Macdonald's. I remember I actually wrote that pottering loitering bit, having listened to Norm Macdonald's album That's and the way he structured, the way he said things that were so obvious. I that kind of unlocked a thing in my writing process, and I thought, oh, that's how that's my sense of humor is being blunt, but I just need to structure it correctly as well. And um, so that kind of unlocked something in me, which is what is listening to. So whenever I got stuck, I wasn't writing anything, I'd listen to a bit of that, or I'd listen to that album. It's called Me Doing Stand Up. I think it's, I think it's one of the best recordings of okay. a stand up, certainly one of my favorites. Um, but yeah, I sort of, I. Like you, I'm attracted more to the American stand-ups mm. the last 30 years because they're talking about the sort of stuff we find interesting. And a lot of the big British acts are, as you say, domestically rooted kitchen sink comics. Yeah, yeah. And um, yeah, it's just... I think there's always, for me, always been something attractive about the American accent, the language with stand-up comedy, like jazz, I suppose, in the, I always find it much more attractive. I always feel that they're more more progressive yeah. uh, and advanced. And don't forget, you know, when you think about Lenny Bruce, who's probably still the best stand-up for me, was sort of late 50s. They had you say that. It's alternative date, comedi- comedy revolution. It's funny how stand-up dates, doesn't it? Yeah. In that I, I think Lenny Bruce is pretty much unlistenable now because okay. the context of his times mm. mean nothing to someone of my generation. Mm. You know, mm. the, the idea that you genuinely could get arrested for saying the word mm. fuck or whatever is so abstract to sure. me. That, um, well, I think that what makes it still relevant is that he's actually talking about that. Yeah, that's true, but it's not funny in the way that the comics no, now do. No, no, and no. And so no. even Bill Hicks, I think, I don't, I don't find funny. And I just think comedy does date very quickly. Mm. I mean, you see that with the big touring acts when they come into the clubs having had five years out. Mm. And you're like, oh. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Hello, yeah. welcome back, boy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, and they've um, they got nothing. Sure. I mean, Sean Locke, Sean Locke and Lee Mack, I've, mm-hmm. I've always loved, just because, um, just so silly. I grew up, stand-up comedy was on TV. Mm. It was ubiquitous. But it was a whole different set of comedians. So you have grown up with another different set of comedians being part of your your, your general cultural world from TV, radio. So with me, it was 
Dave Allen and and, and right. uh, uh, Bernard Manning and um, that uh, all of those club comics really. Whereas for you, it's probably been people like Sean Locke. It was Sean Locke. It was it? Frankie Boyle. Yeah. It was Russell Howard. Watching oh, Mock the Week. Amazing. And then and Ross no Ross Noble was the big one actually. I remember watching Ross Noble when I was. 14 on Live with the Apollo, oh. and that's when I went, I want to do that. Okay. And then I went, um, my dad yeah. used to buy me tickets to go see him in Oxford. Cool. Um, and he'd do these two, you know, the, he'd release a box set of DVDs because it was all most of it improvised, so he'd mm. just film the whole thing. And yeah, I worked with him when I first started. I worked with Ross. I yeah. Almost the first, I got uh, on a tour of uh, Comedy Network, is it? The yeah, the Avalon. The Avalon. Yeah. And I, I don't know how I, they, why they put me on there, how I got on there. And I toured for months with Ross, who was quite young then, and the bastard son of Tommy Cooper, who you may never have uh, heard I've of. I've heard of, He's but a I never new sword swallow, And we went around in a van wow. for months doing, doing student gigs. Amazing. And so Ross was like my son for a while. You're going to be doing some, some touring. You're going to be doing the clubs. You're going to be bringing some stuff out. Yeah, so uh, uh, online. What's the plan then? What's your agenda for next year? What can people? Where can people go to see you, to look at you, and and if they found you interesting here, which I'm sure they have, subscribe to my just YouTube Google you YouTube channel, okay. YouTube channel, Finn Taylor Comedy. Same on Instagram and Twitter. But um, I'm trying to get people to my YouTube channel really because that's what I'm going to be doing. This bringing out a a little sort of web series, as well as a full hour long special, in the next few months. On that, okay. so you know, Instagram. But generally, but if they look at you in the listings, they can find where you're playing. Yeah, I'll be. I'm, I'm at clubs all next year. And you're year. very, very funny and, and, and zeitgeisty. I'm, I'm on the zeitgeist. Finn Taylor, you know where he is. He's online. He's everywhere. Go and check him out. Very funny guy. Um, phenomenal, in fact. This podcast was hosted by me, Jeff Innocent. It was produced and edited by Sam Picconi. Don't forget to like and subscribe and follow me on social media at Jeff Innocent Official on Instagram and Innocent Jeff on Twitter. See you next time for another episode of Smart Casual.